Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast, my little music business podcast about people who work in the music industry, about their motivations, about their journeys through the music industry, and everything in between. Uh, My name is Danny Champion. My background in music is mainly in music publishing and synchronization, uh, but I am really keen and I'm using this platform to learn a whole host of other bits and pieces about the massive world of the music industry. Uh, Today's episode is with Davey Wales from the PPL. I've known Davey for a, for a number of years through mutual friends and contacts and I reached out to Davey to find out more about the PPL, about who they are, about the work that they do and his specific role in finding, nurturing and informing new talent on how the PPL can be of use to them. So we talked about his role, we talked about his... Um, knowledge and understanding of new and emerging talent in the music industry. Uh, He informed me about what the PPL is up to at the moment and it was a really interesting chat. So for those of you who are recording artists, performers, players, if you play an instrument, if you're a vocalist, this is something that will be really, really useful, really, really important for you. I'll be back at the end to give you the various links and whatnot, but for now, here is my conversation with David Wales of PPL. How are you? I'm very well, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking. It's all right, no worries. Um, so, what are you up to at the moment? What is what is your role here at the PPL, and what does that keep you busy doing? So, my role at PPL is a performer development specialist. Yep. And I've, I mean, I've been at, I've been at the company for like eight and a half years now. Yeah, we'll get onto that. So, I'm a spring chicken in that, in that yeah, respect. Indeed. Um, but generally speaking, so performer development is working with new artists mostly right and um, just trying unsigned? to make unsigned signs uh you know anywhere anywhere in between like self-releasing could be anything and it's specifically the artists as opposed to small labels or anything like that or is it it's, well i mean it's, it's funny you say that because so many new artists now they are their own labels effectively yep. A lot of people just hold on to their rights now. So when I'm speaking to a new artist, be it a band or a solo artist, or you know, um, a lot of the time they'll they'll hold the rights to their recordings themselves. And if they're they're putting stuff out, they're getting if they're getting their music broadcast, then they are their own label. Mm-hmm. And we've had various people over the, over the years that have been really successful at doing that. So I don't know people like Stormzy or someone like that, where he's initially he maintained his, his rights yeah and he and he was the performer on the track so we're like great you're gonna every time we're paying we're paying you twice so yeah I, obviously the, I think it's it's different for different art uh, each artist is different and some will benefit from being on a label some are better just cracking on and going alone mm-hmm. so I wouldn't really adv- like offer advice on it but what's what's the range of that that you're you know, not necessarily specifically in contact with, but yeah. what is the range of acts that come under yours and the department that yours in remit? You mentioned Stormzy, who's fairly <laughs> significant You've heard of him. At, the, at the top of that stuff, but that's not gonna be the only type, of per, only type of person or artist that you're dealing with. So kind of what, what is the range? It, 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 re- it really depends, it goes from grassroots artists that I think potentially could be quite big in the future so I'll you know it's it's we're a not-for-profit company if, mm-hmm. we, if we're proactively finding people that can be making money from us then it makes sense that we're kind of helping them along and making sure that we're not um, you know, holding on to anything holding on to any revenues that we shouldn't be so it makes sense for me to kind of find those new artists and help them out um, I, also, I work with a lot of artists that have had significant airplay and they've just never got around to registering 
it could be I know, lack of knowledge on their part or um, their team, be it like their manager or accountant or lawyer, or just hasn't got around to doing it for mm-hmm. them yet. So yeah, it kind of runs from like, absolute grassroots, brand new baby bands, baby artists, through to people that are getting significant airplay and haven't got around to it yet. Um, but yeah, like my, I suppose that's one, one of the great things about my role is that I get to work with these new artists and they get to a point where they are like, I mean, talking about Stormzy, for example, like he's obviously. Was he huge. someone who signed up early? Yeah. He knew what he was doing. So it was his manager, okay. Toby, um, who is a friend of his and was, um, I, I suppose, kind of like getting to, getting to grips with all of all the different facets of the, of the music industry. So we were having a, we were having a chat about being, uh, being an artist manager mm-hmm. and it blows my mind the, the, the amount of knowledge that these people need to have if they're going to mm-hmm. be an artist manager. And I think that's one of the reasons I personally I wouldn't do it. Because you, need, you, can't, you do need to know everything, don't you? You need, you need, to, you need yeah. to know what happens on the record side, you need to know what happens on the publishing side, you need to know about all the various royalty streams, you need to know about booking, you need you need to yeah. be able to Precisely. do everything. Yeah, you, you, you need to you need to have an under you need to have an understanding in all of those different things. So was he someone who had done his homework um, from that back back in the day? When, back in the or day, or was yeah. it just kind of there's this there's this acronym that I've heard about <laughs> that we probably should get in touch with? What the hell is it? One, one of many acronyms as, as the industry is full of them, as yeah. we know. Um, no, so he, he like. He was starting to get some good press, and I reached out and. Okay, so it's proactive on your. Yeah, point. it was proactive, and he was very accommodating. Came in, had a chat. We went through things, basically just explained how these rights work, and I think if you're a if you're a new manager, or or a new artist that's kind of just taking your first steps in the industry, having someone who is knowledgeable in one particular area kind of saying it's all right we like we've got this we can we can yeah, talk yeah. you through it you know it's just it's just a, it means that you don't like you don't necessarily need to have other people getting involved but you know that someone's always at the end of the phone mm-hmm. or you can just drop an email or you can come in and then you can you can chat to some like a real life human being so do you have a roster effectively of people that you stay in touch with that you keep in touch yeah, with yeah kind yeah kind of not in the same way that a booking agent or someone like that would but there is a collective of people that you're just making sure that everything's yeah so going all right they so like the way that our like member services department is set up is that we've got a we've got a great member services team that that answer like general inquiries for people yep and then we've got an account management team as well so when you look when you talk about those those massive record labels um like the large independents um and then you've got the the big accountancy firms or the lawyers or the artist managers um or the session musicians even they'll chances are they'll they'll potentially have someone that will look after their account for them mm-hmm. and those people like those account managers will have for, for want of a better word they'll have like a roster yeah. of people that they'll look after um for me, it's great when I find someone early doors, and then they then go on to have their own account manager. Because it means yep. that you know I've been able to identify someone that's been, has been, you know, this this artist is particularly good. This is really exciting. Let's, you know, let's help them out. Let's bec- let's become part of their team mm-hmm. because no matter what's going on around the world of like sales and live and things like that. If they're getting broadcast, this is just going to be a reoccurring revenue stream for them, mm-hmm. and it's an important revenue stream for a lot of people. It yeah. makes up a chunk of their money each year. So, if we can, if we can help them along the way, then you know that's just great. And yeah, the the ideal scenario is when they go on to be, um, they go on to be big enough that they have their own, they have their own account manager. Who is the PPL? What do they do? What do you do? Um, and anything in between? 
So it's, it's, it's here the sales. <laughs> I'm not going to do an elevator pitch with you, Danny. I've known you for, <laughs> I've known you for too long. I'll give you the nuts and bolts. Yeah, that's fine. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. Um, essentially, it's a, it's a bit early for me to go into full, <laughs> full pitch mode. You get me drinking water instead of like rocket fuel coffee. Right. Um, essentially, it's music licensing. So um, it's based around copyright. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if you're listening, bear with me because it might sound a bit dull, but it's, it's all about copyright. Yeah. And you've got, got two main sections there. You've got the copyright involved with the composition and publishing side. For generally speaking in the UK, that's managed by our friends at PRS for Music. Mm-hmm. The other side of the copyright is often referred to as the master right or the neighboring right. And that is essentially the people that own the recordings and the people that perform on the recordings. So like I say, major labels, independents, self-releasing artists, and mm-hmm. um, on, on the right to what we call rights holders, record labels, kind of like an older turner. Um, and then on the performer side, it is anyone that makes an audible performance on that recording. So it could be the featured artist, like the named mm-hmm. person on the track, through to um, like non-featured session musicians. So if someone's playing strings on a track, or if someone's doing a backing vocal, or like, I'm a guitar player, gun for hire. If you get me in to play guitar on your track, then I'll be classed as a non-featured musician. Right. And essentially when that, when that music's being brought, when that recorded work, so it's got nothing to do with the songwriting composition side, it's the recording that, w- that yeah, we'd be yeah. interested in. When that's getting broadcast on radio, or it's getting used in television programs, or it's getting piped around shops or clubs or bars or wherever, then all that usage will be licensed. And all essentially what PPL are doing is we're collecting the license fee from the broadcasters in the UK, and then we're working out what recordings have been used, mm-hmm and then paying out the people that own them and the people that perform on them. And then that's reciprocated around the world in a number of territories. Neighbouring rights is something that has, I don't want to say become more in vogue, but more, <laughs> but people have become more aware of it. That was, that was my f- first chance of being there, <laughs> being cool. In well, no, but as in, as in for, for years and years and years, and maybe it was because the record side of things, they were selling records, so they were more interested in how much money the, the sale of a record was making as opposed to the performance of a record yeah. was making. But since everything's gone digital, since, what, 2000, when record sales started dropping up until a few years ago, it, it, more and more people are aware, taking uh, interest making an effort to make sure that this money is being collected. Is that correct? I absolutely agree with that, yeah. I think it's because essentially all those things you've just said really, the things like sales kind of took a dip, and unless you're in like cassettes and records. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> look at it on the, on the broader broader sense. Well, no, just, I, I've, I met a number of people over the past few years who were effectively setting up label services mm-hmm. um, focusing on neighbouring rights, focusing on you know, that whole I- idea of there's lots of little labels, as you pointed out, there's lots of artists that are their own labels mm-hmm. who might not necessarily know what's yeah. what you guys do here. And so there are businesses pop- popping up saying, right, well, we'll manage that yeah. for you. Uh, so it's becoming much more. You know, people are going, no, this is the thing that matters. This is the thing that's, that helps performers earn a sustainable amount of money. Yeah. Um, yeah, because where I'm going with this is, is that are there more people that are not signing it away? You know, from a session player perspective, it's not like you're just going into a session and going, yeah, I don't. I'm going to sign away all my opportunities to earn any royalties on the back end and things like that are people making an effort in this space now yeah i think well so just to touch upon something you mentioned really quickly there so you're talking about session musicians signing like waivers or like the this the rights that we look after in what's commonly referred to as neighboring rights now mm-hmm. it's not a te- technically accurate term for it but just use it because that's, that's what all the yeah, press yeah. use um Session musician can't waiver these rights. It's, okay. equ- it's equitable remuneration. Like, so if they played on the record and it's getting broadcast, then you know, where the right exists, they should be getting remunerated for it. Cool. 
Um, there are people that, if you're, I don't know, if you're adverse to admin and data and things like that, then yeah, you can effectively you can appoint someone to administer these rights for you, mm -hmm. and that's why I think because it's more because it's a, it's a growing it's a growing it's a growing market. There's more and more kind of like commercial agents offering to administer these rights on behalf of labels and on behalf of performers. Yeah. So that's why we're seeing them like new agents cropping up all the time. Um, I, I guess it's one of those things that you you make a you make a decision about how you how you how these rights are collected on your behalf. Mm -hmm. So in theory, you could go to all the different collective management organisations around the world. So like PPL in the UK. Sami in Sweden, Sainer in the Netherlands, um, and there's yeah there's different ones for some in some territories they've got ones for performers. Sometimes they've got one for rights holders. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they've got multiple options for performers and for rights holders. Yeah, and essentially you need. I mean, you could go to all those places directly, which would be a nightmare because you're having to register with each each one in individually. You're yeah, having yeah. to maintain your data with with each society directly. Um, you could, the other option is to appoint like a commercial agent to do it for you. So they will register your, um, if you're a label, they, they should be registering your recordings at, like, with the correct level of data, mm -hmm. um, with the different societies, or at least with some of them, and then outsourcing it to, to the other collective management organizations. Yep. Um, or if you're a performer, then they should be making claims on your behalf, or outsourcing it to someone that's gonna be doing that. So it's, it's very, very similar to what the PRS is doing on the other side of the fence. You've got those reciprocal relationships, making sure that everybody is getting paid yep. what they want to do. Has technologies and obviously things like the, the joint license now with the PRS, have, have you seen spikes when it comes to you know, just more money being ingested into into what the PPL is doing and therefore you're paying out more yeah, abso than abso before, it's just getting easier and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the it's the international side is the is like the number one growth area. Like bar none really. Mm -hmm. Um we've we've seen that go to like last year we collected over like seventy million pounds internationally. So it's like the mind boggles how much money like, that's actually coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, be the, because we've got those like reciprocal agreements around the world, we have that ability to go to all those different territories around the world. And because the data is getting better at PPL and on the other side, the, 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 the transfer of information is becoming a lot better, which means that payments are coming through more, um, more regularly, more accurate, which is only good for, which ultimately is for the benefit of our members. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, like the international side is like by far and away kind of like the thing that we're like that's going to be pushing the pushing the business forward. Do, do the things like Spotify and streaming services is that a broadcast for you? Because I know it's a little bit hazy in the middle now. Everyone's a little bit, what rights come from yeah. where? How much do you get on the performance and the mechanical and all that sort of stuff? So where does that money come from? You mentioned radio broadcasts, you mentioned TV. Does it come from anywhere else at the moment? So the short answer would be no. Right. I mean, there are things like, um, like digital and internet radio stations that will get licensed. But the but things like, you know, playlists. And stuff like yeah. that, kind of, it's weirdly the equivalent of. Wow, this is this is. Is it or this not? Is I open, don't know. Yeah, this is where. Uh, this is where we like we could then we could like really, go into it for the next, year or something, <laughs> like essentially if it's if it's being used on like a, di like a digital service provider, your Spotify, your Apple, your Deezer, YouTube, then, it's that recording has been made available. You're you're choosing to listen to it. When you've got things like um, I don't know, like like Beats One or something like that, like I have that argument. I'm like, okay, this is is this not a broadcast now? And that's what that's potentially yeah. where there's 
there's conversations to be had um, well conversations that are being had and probably mm-hmm. will be continue, continue to be had until like, the decisions kind of the, are made the, the world we're living in now is this that that line is just so blurry yeah it's not here's a physical thing that you're buying and here's a radio or a live show it's kind of everything's kind of homogenizing together or and then you've got like digitization of live events with VR stuff yeah. as well and so it's all just going to kind of be one big blob in the middle well, sooner rather than later is it, um, the was it Fiona MMF did that paper um, as a, a dissecting the digital dollar yeah came out a few years back there was there was a point that was raised in there, and how how streaming should be monetized and things like that, and it was trying to comp- it was essentially saying, well, should it be should it be classed as a radio play? Should it be classed as a sale, a digital download? And it's like, well, no, like we need to kind of we need to address the fact that it's not any of those things, um, and perhaps it approach is, it, it as a set. Yeah, it is what it is. There's so many. There's so many people that you need to protect, though, as well. Along 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 the way, there's because there's the writer, then there's the artist, and you'd like to think they're at least getting something yeah. from from their label or from the publisher. Whether the rates are right, that's open to debate. Um, there's the whole thing going on in the US at the moment where they're looking at the um, like you've you've, you've, you've got you've got the yeah you've got like the PROs on one on one side and. The, DSPs on the other. But also you've got to add into that equation that what happens in the UK doesn't happen the same way in the US. Absolutely. But then also the majority of your money or everyone's money is coming from this thing called the internet which doesn't really have territory boundaries in it in the same way. Yeah, I mean there's, yeah that's absolutely right and if you're you're paying I mean, I know the exchange rate's not particularly great at the moment, but if you're paying nine ninety nine, if you're paying nine ninety nine US USD compared yeah. to nine ninety nine sterling, that's different. If you're paying what, three pound or the equivalent of a three pound in India, then mm-hmm. you know that's different. You know, that's different as well. And who who's paying who's paying the session musicians? Does somewhere like the PPL and because of the technologies and all this change that's going on, have you seen an increase in kind of entrepreneurial thinking within these walls? As in, you know, what can we do to provide a better service for our, like, w- yeah, without for, for our um, without doubt our members and stuff. You that's kind of getting a lot of people thinking outside the box about what do we have to do next? Where's the next? Yeah, absolutely. Come from? It's it's kind of it's kind of two it's twofold. It's the fact that. As a board, we've got people from record labels and performer representatives, and they always want us to do better, mm-hmm. which is great. We've got external, um, essentially, I'm, well, I'll, I'll, I'll call it as I see it. We've got competitors in the international side. You know, we want to we want to be able to grow our international um, reach and collections because that's money coming in, which then we can then reinvest in technology and. Data, making mm-hmm. sure that we're ahead of the game. So we've got that competition, which is kind of it's healthy. It kind yeah. of it's kind of driving PPL to be the best version of itself that it can be, right? So when you say competitors, are you are you saying that signing up to the PPL is not the same as signing up to the PRS? It's a uh, you could in theory entice get foreign. It, it, well, it goes it goes to that um, what, what we were talking about earlier, like where, where you've got the options. You could register with different um, collective management organisations directly, administrative nightmare. You could register with a third party agent to do it for you, or you could appoint you could appoint one one or maybe two three collective management organisations to cover the world. So that's what I generally would like prefer people that I work with to do. They. Because then they've got like one point of contact, and they know that PPL with our with our reach, with all our agreements, with our consistently improving um, portal and the way that we interact with other societies around the world, we've got that lower cost. So it just means that if, if as long as you keep on top of it, then it's the it's the better option, right? In my mind, you know. Yeah. 
Um, we've, so we've you're got so again, correct me if I'm getting the wrong end of the stick here. So you're you're essentially saying that like American artists could sign up to the PPL. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've got members from, from okay. all around, all around the world. Um, when it when it comes when it comes to collections, I I always think you've got a one under, understand understand the rights that you're talking about, mm -hmm. and two you do, you do what's best for your artist. If you're massive in Norway, and that's that's like your one of your biggest markets, then do you know what? Maybe maybe you register with Grammo in Norway, so they can so you're getting that money directly from from Grammo. Mm -hmm. Rest of the world, like yeah, PPL can do could do the rest of the world for you, and we'll do we'll do a great job at, at it. Right. If I think it just it just comes down to each it comes down to each individual person, but it would be it would be remiss of me to say you know if if you've got if you're massive in a particular territory then you know that you've got you've, you've got the flexibility to kind of carve. There's multiple options out yeah. there, and actually, what's the key thing for anyone who has an ownership in those rights is that they should research into their options yeah. and they should actually do something with it rather than yeah. just sit and do nothing. Absolutely. I think you've got those options and you work out you work out what's best for you. If you haven't got the inclination to um, register with a register with, with a society elsewhere in the world, mm -hmm. then grant yeah, then great. Well, PPL can just do that for you anyway. Um, We've got that seven percent, or currently like a seven percent cost rate to collect internationally. So, I suppose you you weigh that up. You think, okay, well, is it is it worth me? Is it worth me kind of going directly to I don't know Switzerland, <laughs> Bulgaria, or yeah, somewhere yeah. like that? Is it worth me doing that? Or you know, for the seven percent, I know that I'm already registered with PPL. All my repertoire's up to date. Everything's accurate. And then just let like let our, mm -hmm. let our we've got like an international like a full international department who look after all those different CMOs. So you know, for the sake of the seven percent, granted you might want to just let us do it. Mm -hmm. But it's just I think it's just worth knowing that you have got options and making educated educated decisions on it. Been here for eight, eight and a half eight years. Eight a bit years. Yeah. Did you know who the PPL was before you joined? No. No. And what did you just see a job that, and you thought I can do that and I'm looking for a job? Or it, so how did, it, how did your start here start? I guess. So I, I, I mean, yeah, I very. I'd, I'd heard the I'd heard the acronym before when I was doing music at college, but our industry day was um, left a little bit little to be desired, mm -hmm. and there was instead of having someone from like a uh, from like copyright or rights management or anything like that come in, we were essentially given like an A4 sheet, three quarters of the page was saying this is what PRS for music does, this is why you should consider becoming. Um, becoming a, a writer member um, and then there's a paragraph at the end which said oh you might also want to check out PPL and it's there like it's also the PPL <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh okay um, but you know when when you when you're in a like in your late teens early yeah. 20s and you're in a band you don't really want to it's not it's not it's not a big deal well it it's not it's not high on your priority list is it mm -hmm. and the, the we got we got some spot plays on like Radio One and XFM and things, or Radio, well, what is now Radio X, obviously. Um, and we we were just so psyched to be that someone else was like playing our music. Someone else said our name out loud for mm -hmm. you know that was just that was amazing. We didn't realise that we should have actually been getting some Money kind of remuneration. Yeah, some kind yeah. of remuneration for it. It's it's kind of crazy. So yeah, I didn't have I had very little idea about what about PPL or what it or what it was doing as a company. Um, no, my when I started eight and a bit years ago, I was actually working in a record store. I was working in music retail, and I had been for almost eleven years. 
Okay. A creature of habit, apparently. <laughs> I've just realised. Um, I'd been there for I'd been there for ages because it was really convenient that yeah. I'd get massive discount on all those records. Like, <laughs> similar to yourself. Yeah. So you're spending fifty quid on records every month. I was spending fifty quid on records every month as well. I was getting a discount on it, you know. <laughs> Essentially, a lot of us are just nerds, we're music nerds, yeah. we, we were in bands and did silly things like that. Mm -hmm. And when I was working in retail, it was great because I could, just, I could talk about music all day, people would be coming in and I've always come from a very like rock background, very guitar based, but it totally opened me up to, to, to like new new genres of music um, I'd be I'd find myself, I'd have like I'd, be, I'd have access to like dance music that I wouldn't have access to usually um, hip hop especially was was like quite a big deal um, it's kind of what's happened now that we've gone into the streaming world that you know we, I bought a lot of albums yeah but they were all albums that I wanted to buy now I listen to a lot of stuff because I want to listen to it but I've got access to, yeah. you know, I, I'll go, you know, I will listen to the new Beyonce album. Yeah. I'd never would have thought about buying it back in the day, but now I'll listen now to you it can, and I'll listen to everything and I'll listen to the new, you know, track by a DJ or new country or, or whatever. And so you kind of can become that little bit more eclectic. Yeah, I know. Mean, but I, I always, to use, to use that metaphor then, so effectively we, we had like our own streaming catalogue just available at our fingertips like we could go and put on the Justin Timberlake album if we wanted to great you know um, they, they because of the I suppose because of the, like the, the nature of the job and the culture of it as well they were quite accommodating for me to do music stuff on the side right um, but it got to a point where I wasn't doing anything creative and I'd been there for 10 and a bit almost 11 years and I was kind of going up the ranks, and I was like, oh, do you know what? This isn't, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. And my flatmate at the time, um, he had been working at PPL, and still is, he's been here for like 17 years, like he's, he's due a plaque or something. <laughs> um, but he's still like absolutely one of my very best mates. And he said, do you know what? There's some entry level jobs going, if you want to come in and essentially um, I was working in public performance so I was doing the licensing I was getting money in from all the businesses and mm -hmm. um, so speaking to different clubs and restaurants and shops and you know factories and things like that making sure that they they were getting licensed correctly mm -hmm. so I that was my first kind of role at PPL and I did that for a little while I I took a promotion to get to do something a little bit more specialist in that public performance department and after a while, I had a really, um, my manager at the time was super encouraging and there was a position came up where it was essentially looking after new artists and she was very much, you don't stop banging on about these new acts, you go to gigs like five nights a week or something ridiculous, mm -hmm. you should go for it. And I was like, no, no, there's like, there's going to be loads of people going for it. Um, it's just a lot of self-doubt basically. Um, and then eventually she just bullied me into it and in a nice way I applied and um, it was it was great like the interview the interview process so I was just basically just got on one just talking about new acts and stuff that I was crazy right. about and they kind of took a chance and yeah that was six no that's yeah six something years ago maybe okay. seven, seven years ago and I'd say arguably I've probably got the most enviable role at the company. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that then. I mean, it's it's a pseudo A and R role. Yeah, you're in that world. You said that you're going to shows all the time. You're keeping on top of things. You're looking at talking to managers, talking to lawyers, other people that are looking at new things. So your your role is to be on top of what's hot, what's new, what's coming up. Try to. <laughs> well, yeah, again, that's, it's not the easiest of jobs at the moment. So, so what is going on in the UK music industry at the moment? What is exciting? 
what are you seeing that maybe some of us aren't seeing who don't get paid to look at these sorts of things? <laughs> um, again, because I come from the, the, the music that I would listen to, music out of choice that I'd like I'd put on at home. So like, I don't know, Fugazi or mm -hmm. Quicksand or someone like that. Like, nice, uh, thanks. Um, but to the to the so like the mainstream is kind of like people wouldn't potentially know who that was they're not going to get massive amounts of radio play does that mean you have to compartmentalise a little bit you yeah. know, what you like I and what is going to be big and stuff because I mean that's one of the reasons why I found myself in sync yeah. as opposed to traditional A&R is that I could I like what I like I'll go out and listen to what I want to listen to but finding the right piece of music for a film or for an advert very you, have to, you have you, to make you, that you yeah. remove your own personal taste absolutely because just because you like death metal doesn't mean that that usage needs a death metal track it probably needs something a bit more amazing <laughs> um so do you do you find that you have you've had to push yourself into being more eclectic and things like to that? to a degree but then i think i've probably got a I'd like to think I got developed a fairly broad taste of music okay. when I was working in record stores and things like that because you have to be able to talk about hip hop, you have to be able to talk about jazz, about mm. classical music, and you have to know what's good. And I think that I don't pay myself too many compliments, but I would say that I think my ears are generally pretty decent. I've been doing this for quite a while now. Yep. And if I hear something, it, it might not be my genre of choice. But I can hopefully I can recognise when something's when something's good, when something's great. Or mm -hmm. if I see something if I see something live and I'm I still get super excited about it. I still go but to. Are you still going to lots and lots of live shows? Yeah, yeah. Um, I moshing away. <laughs> not so much moshing <laughs> at the moment. To be fair, I um, I throwing shakes. I I blew my knee out playing. <laughs> I blew my knee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I blew my knee out playing football with. <laughs> with a load of music industry, well, with predominantly music industry people actually. Um, so yeah, the the crowd surfing and stage diving has kind of uh, taken a bit of a <laughs> bit of a nosedive in re of recent months. But yeah, I still I still go to shows when I can. Um, I think last year I racked up because I'm such a loser, and I make I make a note of every band that or band or artist that I see. Nice. So last year I had something like 317 different. Like different sets on there, which okay. it's not it's not groundbreaking. Like I'm sure well, there, there, there still, are A and R people that probably do more, or prim like booking agents that might do more. But yeah, like I, I, when people look at the list, there I, I, I might be speaking to an accountant or something. And they like reference someone. I say, oh, I saw those. Flick through my list, and they're like, you've seen all these artists. This this is like it's crazy. Yeah. So I. Yeah, still try to go to as many things as possible, but having that separation, being able to recognise what what's good and what's not, or what's going to do well on radio, what is going to what. So, what, what do you think, from your perspective, from yeah. what you've seen, not necessarily what you think should be the trends, but what are the trends that you're seeing at the moment? You know? um, I mean, the the obvious, clear, and obvious rise of um, of BAME music from like the grime trap broader hip hop yeah, yeah, genres yeah. that's um, not going away anytime soon it's only like, going to yes, get bigger and yeah more. I kind of hope not as well okay. because for me going to see going to see someone like Flahio live she is the new punk rock for me okay you go and if you see if you ever get the chance to see someone like that in a small club go because like my like my hair's literally standing on end because she's so good live, and seeing artists like that that are a kind of like a little they're they're on the edge they 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 kind of bring out the same reaction in me that I got from from seeing bands like Fugazi or Boy Sets Fire or you know whatever random hardcore band I was watching in South End that week nice. you know. I bring out the th I'm getting the same kind of feeling from from those like BAME artists. Mm -hmm. So, and what what about what's next? Where do you think for those like younger emerging acts, talented musicians? Yeah, obviously it's not about creating music to fit 
a whole or to fit a trend, yeah. but where do you think, not think, but from your learned professional <laughs> opinion, what's, what's going on, what's coming I up? think that, I mean, I went to, I went to Reading on Saturday, All right. and seeing people, um, you know, that, that are 16, 17 going to festivals for the first time, that tribalism that I had when I was younger about um, potentially only listening to guitar bands, that's gone. People like people to the, you're, you're as likely to see someone at um, watching someone like Slow Tie to then going to watch Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes right. to then go and watch Muro Matter. You know, people just they just want to hear something. They just, they like what they like. They yeah, and yeah, yeah. they will listen to you know whatever whatever they like mm -hmm. there's no kind of um there aren't as many boundaries as to or or I, I hope there isn't as many boundaries or as like clique as many cliques as there as there mm -hmm. were when i was when i was younger um stuff that's coming through i think it will be those those artists that cross over when you t people like slow tie is it is it electro is it hip-hop is it you know you've got He's got like guitar samples going on in there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's quite dangerous sounding. Um, being being <laughs> being a lad from Essex and the age of I am, I'm quite enjoying all the UK garage that's coming back at the moment. Nice. There seems to be um, you know like AJ Tracy's tracks doing massive things at the moment. Um, our guy Stormzy covered Sweet Like Chocolate at Glastonbury. I think he did it for Live Lounge as well. But it's funny hearing those two-step beats again because that just makes me think of being, you know, That's 17 cool. years or old yeah. cruising South End Seafront in my mate's escort, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I think there's going to be more and more kind of artists that smash, smash genres. Okay. And yeah, all all rise to two-step. <laughs> Guitar music's definitely not done either. I don't think, I mean, it's a really stupid thing to say because no music is ever done. Yeah. No, nothing goes away. It's not like suddenly no one goes to a live show of a punk gig or, or, or whatever now. But obviously the other thing is mainstream music, what's on the radio, what's popular, has always gone in, in cycles and it will co continue yeah. to go in cycles. So it's just, it's interesting to, to find out where those cycles might be going. And, and from, a, from someone who, who works a lot with upcoming you know, young songwriters, young talented people, I'm always keen to kind of just get them to say, no, it's not a bad thing to be aware of these trends. Mm -hmm. I'm not for a moment suggesting that you should follow them. If anything, know the trends so you can start trying to set your own yeah. or anything like that. But I'm, just all, I'm always curious, especially from people such as yourself who are in that talent acquisition pool, you know, the area, the A&R discovery area of the business, to just see, okay, what's going on? Because yeah, there is a lot of music out there and when you've got other things on your plate, you can't listen to as much as, it's, it's, as you'd yeah, like anymore, or I, go to 300 odd shows. I think it is, the, the, the thing will be crossover, so you'll have um, what, you, what you previously consider um, maybe like a hip hop artist doing more electro-based things. Um, someone that might sound like a classical artist moving into electronic stuff. So, I don't know, like Oliver Arnold's doing the Chiasmos project, things like that. There'll, right. there'll be more uh, cross-pollination of, of genres and that's what will probably be. Yeah, that's cool. That's where people create. What should a new act be concentrating on? From your own personal opinion, because a lot of bands and artists don't listen to me, when I, <laughs> especially when I'm their teacher as well. What should you be doing? And I tell them and they go and do something else. In your personal opinion, what should uh, kind of a new band, new group, new artist be concentrating on the most? There's a few things that, the, that I would advise and not saying this because you're here, but listen to people like yourself. <laughs> uh, it, it, it blows my mind sometimes. I mean, I, um, if, 
I'm if I'm at like an educate like a music educational institution, they're, they're running some kind of event or um, on a panel or presenting or whatever. I'm like the first thing is like make use of the people that are around you. Like your your peers are probably going to be your network in two years, five years, ten, twenty years time. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be the people that are around you because they obviously care enough that they're, that they're there. So definitely take advantage of uh, of those opportunities that are presented to you early on. But listen to <laughs> this is the bit that's going to that's for you. But listen to your lecturers. Like these people are people that have worked in the music industry for X amount of years, and they know different. They know like all the different players. They might not have necessarily like the the expert answer on a topic, but pretty sure they'll know who to sp- like someone that does. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you if one of um, one of your students asked you about label services, and it was a really detailed question, you might not know the exact answer, but you could probably put them in touch with somebody. If they ask you about neighbouring rights, like a particular international territory, you might not know the answer, but you can always call me. Mm-hmm. So, it's about. Uh, Making making the most of like your network, and developing that because that's it's cliched, but there's still a massive part of this industry is like is who you know. I think it kind of reinforces why what we're talking about like with artist managers, they need to know a little bit about everything, but they're they're always going to be experts in that field. So yeah. make sure that you've got a good network of a good network around you, so you, you know you can you can get in touch with people as and when you need to. Um, so yeah, just be be nice to them as well. <laughs> That's the thing I hear a lot, don't be a dick. <laughs> the last question, and it's more people, what, what's ahead in the immediate future that's interesting, exciting with the PPL? Is there something that's on the horizon that, that you guys here are are excited about and are in a position to, to say that's, that's happening that's coming up um, so from a, what from a personal perspective companies but both both um, so from a personal perspective um, I will be doing hopefully be doing some more international outreach next year which I'm looking forward to so I've been I've done a few things in Europe so hopefully next year I'll get to do more in Europe and maybe a bit in the US as well um, I do a lot of work with the PRS foundation so 2016, PPL became a sponsor mm-hmm. of two funds, which is the International Showcase Fund and the Momentum Fund. And I get to um, I have a lot of involvement with Momentum, which is grants for um, grants between five and fifteen thousand pounds for artists at a tipping point in their career, essentially. Mm-hmm. So they, they can get money and they can spend that on touring or marketing or recording. You know, some whatever it is they whatever project it is that, that they're working on that's going to move on to the next point in their career mm-hmm. so I'll be hopefully doing a lot more stuff with those guys in the future um, and if you haven't checked out PRS Foundation then you definitely should so speak to those guys they're awesome um, from a wider company point of view it's just going to be it's probably just going to be like the de- development of technology and things like that mm-hmm. Trans- so is, is there new things to be launched never on the stops. horizon. Never horizon. stops. Yeah. Because at the end of the day we're always trying to make things as easy as possible for our members to kind of access their money because it's their money. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to make things as easy as possible and as transparent as possible and make sure that they're getting the absolute best service that they can. Because we're in a data driven section of the music industry, we need the technology to kind of back that up. Mm-hmm. So there'll be there's When's the PPL app coming. Oh, I don't know. That would be great. <laughs> the new, so the, the new website is a lot better on yeah, your yeah. phone, and especially I'm out and about every now like quite a bit. I will I will jump on the on the phone on the mobile version every now and again. Um, yeah, it's going to be sharing of data from multiple sources internationally. It's going to be the it's going to be the key thing. So looking at. Um, the, the way that the way that collective management organisations transfer data to each other, the way that record labels ingest data into mm-hmm. those organisations, because that's what needs to be streamlined. That's what needs to 
increasingly needs to be improved yeah. and as a company oh god it's going to sound really corporate now but as a company a <laughs> don't end on this um, but yeah as a company that's that's what, what, what that's essentially what we're doing that's what's going to make us better is, is mm-hmm. being better for our members and that is quite a good way to end I think thanks for having me no worries thanks for coming in Massive thank you there to Davey for spending some time with me, welcoming me into the PPL offices. First time in those offices for me. It was really great to catch up and to just chew the fat like we did. If you're interested in seeking out PPL, learning a bit more about them, about what they're doing, about any of the events that they're doing, or just reaching out to them because you think that it should be something that you should be getting involved with, you can find them on Instagram at PPL underscore UK. You can find them on Twitter at PPL UK, or just go to their website www.pplukcom You can also follow Davy himself on Twitter at Davy Wales. Uh, and feel free to, as always, get in touch with me at the show here, behind the business pod at gmail.com. If you have any specific questions or anything like that that you would like to direct to him or any other guest. Also, please do follow the show on Instagram at behind the business pod. And also find me on Twitter at Danny Champion. There's still plenty of episodes to come. So if you are listening to this as they come out, I'm hopefully going to be posting episodes once a week, every week until the end of the year. Uh, So do check back. Do get in touch if you would like to hear someone in particular. If there's something that you would like me to cover on here, I really, really appreciate the feedback. But until next time, thank you very much and goodbye.